All right, people. So I was saying earlier, I think this was during my bloody Valentine 3D review slash rant when I was talking about a bunch of birthdays were going on today. And one of those birthdays was John Carpenter, and he is celebrating his 72nd birthday today. So what I was going to do originally, I was going to do a top five John Carpenter movies. But instead of doing that, um, it dawned on me that I have not done a single commentary of all the commentaries I've done. I have not done a single commentary for a Halloween movie. So I figure what better way to celebrate John Carpenter's birthday than with his breakthrough movie, the original Halloween 1978. Of course, this is second in my list of favorite horror movies, Night of Living Dead. That'll always go to Night of Living Dead first, but Halloween is definitely second for a reason because the movie still scares the shit out of me to this day. So I don't even know why I'm sitting here with all the lights off watching it, but that's probably the best way to watch it. But um, yeah, man, this movie is is it uh broke barriers for a reason, and it is really this movie really could have been like by today's standards PG thirteen or some shit like that, minus the sex scenes. And uh, the topless scenes and stuff like that, because there's really not any gore blood in this movie. It's not any gore, but it's really not a lot of blood seen in this movie. It's really tame, but I think that's one of the things that works in the movie's favor. You know, it leaves a lot to the imagination. But um, yeah, without further ado, people, let me hit this play button and we'll get it cracking with the Halloween 1978 commentary. Hopefully this thing doesn't kick in too loud. Which it didn't. Now this theme, man. I, I don't care where I hear it. It's still one of the greatest music pieces in cinema history. Easily. Actually, this pumpkin is one of the greatest pumpkins in uh, cinema history. Just a little... The slit, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but the slit going from the nose to the mouth, that always stands out for some reason. One thing I didn't do, which I should have done, was um, like I always am supposed to do for these episodes. I'm supposed to come prepared and bring some notes, but I feel like I know enough about this movie where I can just like freestyle it and just kind of wing it. These are a lot of first-time roles, too. I think Jamie Lee Curtis was 21 when she filmed this movie. Not bad. 21 playing a 17-year-old. I mean, she looked it for... At least back in the day, she looked it. And not only do I want to shout out John Carpenter's birthday, man, but had it not been for John Carpenter, um, and this is for Halloween buffs out there like myself, we wouldn't have had a Halloween 2 and so on and so forth. We wouldn't have the... 2018 um, direct sequel that everybody loves and we definitely wouldn't have Halloween Kills which I am thoroughly looking forward to a lot of a lot of um, people that are in this movie are actually coming back for Halloween Kills I did an episode on uh, Halloween Kills also we got of course Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back Charles Cyphers is coming back as Bracket um, Nancy Stevens is coming back as Nurse Marion. Kyle Richards is coming back as uh, Lindsay Wallace. 
Unfortunately, Brian Andrews isn't coming back. It would have been nice to see him as Tommy Doyle, but they got Anthony Michael Hall playing Tommy Doyle. Now that chant that they just did, that's actually how I started my Halloween 9 fan script with, um, you know, it, originally it was supposed to be a Dimension Films movie. I mean, that's if I pitched it to somebody because it was under Dimension Films at the time when I started writing it. Well, Halloween, the property, I mean, was under Dimension Films when I started writing it. But I started off with with that chant, I think, before the opening theme even comes on. I felt like it'd be a nice nostalgic touch. Michael's a perv. I don't know who gets off on watching their sister make out. It's one of the dopest tracking shots uh, ever, by the way. Tracking shots for the uninitiated. That's, um, you know, when the camera just keeps going. No cuts, no nothing. Of course, there's a cut when Michael puts the mask on. They had to stop uh, rolling. But they I guess they synced it enough back then to where it just looks like one continuous shot. But this is this is genius, man. This takes a lot of work. A lot of uh, strategic work. And also, I wanted to say that in the, in the beginning of this movie, it kind of does make sense that they tried to tie it into Halloween's or they tried to tie this into Halloween six because Mrs. Blankenship says she was babysitting Michael Myers across the street. But it's like, how old was Miss Blankenship back then that she just dozed off or just no, didn't notice that Michael just wandered the fuck off? But one of the things that I was going to put in, um, it was an idea I had for a Halloween treatment was that whatever Reverend Jackson Sayer from Halloween 4 played by Carmen uh, Philippi, whatever he was chasing, that damnation he was telling Dr. Loomis about, always pictured that damnation he was chasing passing the evil on to michael myers this very night and when he passes it on to michael myers that's when you know this movie starts i don't know man i got i got a lot of ideas got a lot of ideas for uh for um halloween sequels and a prequel it'll probably come to light one day that's if that's if Blumhouse, yo, shout out Blumhouse, man. That's if y'all come to y'all senses and answer my emails, man. Y'all got my beloved Michael Myers now. The only question is, what are y'all gonna do with him once this Halloween trilogy y'all are doing wraps up? You gotta do somewhere. You gotta do something new. And I also got a um, a premise, a treatment for a direct sequel to Halloween Four. You could bring Danielle Harris back and Ellie Cornell and Bo Starr. I think if he's still alive. Tell you, man, I got ideas. There's no way they had sex that fast. The way those cuts sound always, like, disturbed me. 
And the crazy thing is, this actress that played, I can't remember her name, but the one that played Judith Myers, she still does conventions to this day. I think I was watching the, um, some type of 40th anniversary thing for Halloween. They had this convention out in California, if I'm not mistaken, and she was there signing autographs. It's dedication to the fans. First of all, Michael Myers looks like a six-year-old Jim Carrey. And his parents' reaction is just kind of strange. The way that shot played out, I can kind of see why they f- they had a freeze frame moment in the uh rob zombie remake after michael killed his sister because that was almost a freeze frame moment but they were just staring at him now this here uh this board meeting scene with dr loomis and these two assholes who don't believe him this was actually this wasn't in the original version they had to do this for the tv the tv version i guess to to fit a certain type of runtime or something like that so when they were filming halloween 2 they filmed additional scenes for this movie for the TV version. This is actually a scene that uh, I wish was in the theatrical cut, but luckily I got the TV version so we can see it and hear it. Michael Myers must be removed from the sanitarium immediately. I would suggest the maximum security ward at Litchfield. Dr. Loomis, the decision has been made. But this is a minimum security institution. The staff isn't adequately prepared. Prepared for what? The boy is a catatonic. And Loomis was trying to tell these motherfuckers, man. Where's the lie? Have you read my notes? (laughs) Yes, we have, Doctor. Why were they not presented at the hearing? The judge requested Dr. Foster's analysis. I've spent... Four hours a day. Real rap. Four hours a day with this boy. Every day. For six months. Far longer than any court psychiatrist. Doctor Loomis. Michael Myers is the most dangerous patient I have ever observed. Doctor, there is no diagnosis. He was yo, ma'am. That's why this is an important scene. That line, he was telling them, man. And rest in peace, Donald Pleasance, man. He, he, every, it's like every line he delivers in this series is so, it, it's, it gives you a feeling of we're not worthy, like on some Wayne's World type stuff. Because originally John Carpenter wanted Christopher Lee to play this role. And I don't know if it was like a schedule dispute or something like that but he I think we ended up with Donald Pleasance for a reason I couldn't see anybody else playing Dr. Loomis in this in this original series we can make a special recommendation to the court only if we feel there is a justifiable reason to change the patient's treatment I can see no reason why he shouldn't remain here we have adequate facilities for his care We've got seat belts and cartoons and puzzles. 
to keep him here. Please, I am begging you to reconsider your decision. Dr. Loomis, perhaps you should reconsider keeping him as your patient. We can find someone else to look after him. I can't figure out who this asshole looks like. I'll stay with him. I know the older uh, guy looks like he was an extra in the Is thing. He looks like he was going to play um, Blair. He looks like he was going to play Wilford Brimley's character, Blair, in The Thing. But he lost the role. Check out Loomis, man. The fedora, the corduroy uh, suit jacket with the matching pants, the shoes, and the turtleneck. Hurting them in 78. I mean, technically it was 81 when they shot this, but it was... Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all get the idea. And the scene fits, man. Like, I like when they do reshoots for movies and it integrates into the original... Um, film that they were shooting i don't like reshoots that just look completely out of place that are obvious this looks like it goes with the original movie michael got them slips on This is how I look, y'all. Like, the way Michael's staring out this window. This is how I look. Well, my New Year's resolution was to quit smoking, bud. And I'm actually doing fairly well. Very well, actually, because New Year's Eve was my last day and I'm still pushing. But back when I was in my stoner phase, this was me. The way Michael's staring at, out this window, this was me when I used to stare at DVDs when I was trying to look for something to watch. Like a movie was supposed to pop out at me and just pick itself. Maybe Michael was high all this time. All the drugs they were giving him for 15 years. I wonder if anybody considered that. October 30th, 1978. I would actually, if I did a Halloween movie myself, like a fan film, I would actually put, I would have October 30th, 1978. Um, but I would actually have a logo pop up that says Devil's Night. Or I would think of something different to call it, just to bring like its own type of, its own type of mythology to the series. Here we got Nancy Stevens, who was kind of a Betty back then, man. She was she was pretty attractive. Funny thing about this scene, man. This was one of my favorite scenes to watch when this movie. I mean, it still is, but when this movie used to come on USA. For some strange reason, I used to love this scene more than others. I don't know what it was. I was a very strange child, y'all. 
<laughs> Might as well get that little motherfucker a horse tranquilizer. <laughs> she said he'll barely be able to sit up. That's the idea. One of the creepiest shots in the entire fucking series. They look like ghosts. Like the way these patients are just roaming around outside. They look like ghosts. Michael got them Smith's Grove Jordans on. Crazy thing is, he had a uh, Nick Castle had a wrench taped to his fucking hand to break that window. What you know? They're actually going to do. I hope they show that in the scene because they had it in like the B-roll behind the scenes footage for Halloween Kills, and uh, Nancy Stevens is in this car, and you see Michael Myers' hand outside the window. So it's going to be a nice callback to this scene. I hope they actually put it in the movie. Because you know how they have a lot of shit in movies where you see it in the trailer or you see them filming it and we don't even get a chance to see it full blown or at all. Ah, Haddonfield, Illinois. Now, tell my listeners out there. Um... Not only do I live in Philadelphia, but I am from uptown. It's a little, I won't say quaint, I won't say small, but the area is called Mount Airy. And every time I step outside and the weather is similar to this here, I always hear this theme and I always picture the neighborhood to be Haddonfield because it looks a lot like it. Because I guess this is the quote unquote suburban part of the hood. Shit still goes down, but it looks a lot like Haddonfield to me. Jamie Lee. You know what's crazy? That's the only time we've seen her dad. Never her mother. And the only time we've seen her father.
they never had a follow-up of what happened to them because in part two um mrs alves the black nurse um she tells Lori, she's like dr mixer said they were at the same party he was at but they're not there now and they're not at home it's like so what did y'all do where did y'all go you didn't hear on the news that Lori strode was taking the head and field memorial just bad parenting man brian andrews playing tommy doyle I really wish they could have got him to come back in Halloween, uh, Halloween Kills. But, you know, he didn't he didn't have an agent and he hadn't been working and stuff like that. Yeah, Michael got that mask hair all curled up on the sides. I love this shot so simple man it was really nothing it was nothing super complex about this movie not even in plot but it works on every level um john carpenter said it in i don't know what was it the rise and fall of the slasher film it's a documentary it's one of the best horror documentaries i've ever seen if y'all haven't seen it Please check it out. The Rise and Fall of the Slasher film. I think it's, it's called Going to Pieces. The Rise and Fall of the Slasher film. But John Carpenter said, he said, Guy in Mass stalks babysitters. That's what we set out to make. He came down the hall, breaking through all the doors, pushing all of the patients outside. What was it you wanted to show me? Instead of sister that he carved in the door, Michael should have wrote some rap lyrics. I mean, it was 78, so it ain't like we had Jay-Z or anything, but... No, but I know where he's going. Or what if it was 78 and he did have Jay-Z lyrics on the door? Dr. Wynn is waiting to see you, doctor! <laughs> like, instead of sister, when she revealed the the uh, the door to Dr. Loomis, it should have said, uh, Michael should have wrote, I had to hustle my back to the wall, ashy knuckles. This actor, man, I can't, I don't know this guy's name, but he is Dr. Wynn, who would be later played in Halloween 6 by Mitch Ryan, and Dr. Wynn ended up being the man in black that we saw in Halloween 5 and Halloween 6. His engine should have stalled right there, and he had to call AAA. <laughs> Dr. Lubis was stressed, man. I don't think people understand the level of stress this guy was under. But what Samuels is really talking about here is fate. You see. You see, fate caught up with 
She's like the female version of that guy from the Visine commercial. For dry eyes, clear eyes. Like, just will just put your ass to sleep in class. I had a substitute teacher that sounded just like that dude. I like how she looked around like, does anybody else see this guy across the street? Go ahead, girl. She wasn't even paying attention and got the answer right. Go ahead, Lori. It was a very important um, set of lines from that teacher. It's pretty reflective on this movie and Halloween H2O in particular. <sighs> now here we get these piece of shit kids, Lonnie, Richie, and whoever the other kid is. They're actually bringing Lonnie Elam back for Halloween Kills. I cannot wait. They're bringing him back. He's in a flashback sequence from, from 78, and he is being played by Robert Longstreet, the adult version. Can't wait to see what they do with his character. Yeah, I would have had a heart attack. Whether I was a kid or an adult and ran into Michael Myers like that, at that speed... Michael's definitely got green, uh, forest green socks on. At least they look like forest green. This is crazy, man. The unexplained, like I, I don't mind. Uh, uh, I was one of those people. I'm, I'm kind of a Halloween purist. I am, but I'm open to, um, exploring things. Even though this, it wasn't intended to really be explored per se. I always wanted to know why Michael followed Tommy. Why Michael followed, set his sights on Lori. You know, stuff like that. I didn't mind the fact that it was a brother-sister angle revealed in part two. Because it actually made all of this make more sense. Because my thing was, I don't give a damn what anybody says. There was a reason Michael Myers followed Lori Strode around all day and all night. I feel like that was supposed to be his sister from the rip. But I get it. You know, the people out there, I, I get it that it was a lot scarier that he just targeted her at random. No relation, no nothing. Now, here we have Loomis at a payphone in what looks like Gatlin, Nebraska, where he will run into Isaac, Malachi, and the children of the quorum.
And on that train that just passed by, it's a fun fact. That train that just passed by, um, if you look close enough, you can see Pee Wee Herman and Hobo Jack uh, having a sing-along on there. Come on. Now this Phelps garage truck driver, I always wonder how Michael killed him. Because you can kind of see blood on his chest. But I, I wonder how he killed him because he hadn't went to, he hadn't robbed the store yet. He hadn't gotten his knives and stuff like that. And it always makes me wonder um, where Michael get his mask from. I know they, Sheriff Brackett says when, when they pull up to him, pull up on him at the store, he's like, all he took was some rope. A Halloween mask and a couple of knives, but Michael had already had his mask at this point. PJ Souls, I love her. She's the spunky one of the bunch. PJ Souls actually does a voice cameo in a Halloween 2018 when Allison, Andy Matichak's character. Lori's granddaughter is in class um, looking out the window. That's um, PJ Souls. Her voice as a teacher. And this Nancy Loomis playing Annie. I like Nancy Loomis around this era because she was in this. She came back, of course, she came back as a corpse cameo for Halloween 2. She was in The Fog. Uh, she was in Halloween 3. I love how Carpenter and Tommy Lee Wallace kept their... Jesus, that's a creepy shot. Michael tilting his head in the car. He's like, bitch, what? <laughs> Michael's so petty. Hence why Michael Myers is the greatest serial killer of all time, because he won't just kill you right away. His scare tactics are so effective. This truly looks like my neighborhood. I think Deborah Hill wrote um, like the girl talk in this movie. And I don't mind it at all because in order for me to give a fuck about these characters, I have to, um, you know, I have to see how they interact with each other. Which is some kind of something you didn't get in a lot of quality slashers, per se. You didn't get a lot of like banter, entertaining banter, funny banter back and forth. Even the smart-ass comments they have amongst each other. 
Scare tactics, man. Look where? Michael had it made up in his mind. He's like, listen, I'm going to creep you the fuck out all day and all night until I decide to murder you. Psychological, man. Psychological warfare. I love Annie. It's hard to um it's hard to choose between her and Linda, but I just love how Annie just gives Lori shit 24/7, but that's one of her best friends. That's how best best friend uh, dynamics work. Excuse me, Lori. Charles Cyphers. It is way too goddamn early for those kids to be trick-or-treating. If Lori and them got out of school and walked home, it's no later than 4 o'clock. Don't come to my crib at 4 or 5 o'clock trick-or-treating. Because I ain't got nothing for you. Michael also can teleport.
scared me to death. Another fun fact, um, this Raggedy Andy or Raggedy Ann doll that Lori has on the dresser. It took me years to realize the connection between that and the one that's in like the underground tunnels in Halloween Resurrection. And as shitty as that movie is, they do have some small pockets of decent little add-ins. So the Raggedy Ann doll in Halloween Resurrection was definitely a nice callback to this movie and that hat like that sombrero looking hat that was on the wall is also in Halloween 2018 this is another um additional scene they shot and put in the TV version but it fits it looks looks good I mean, this does look a, a bit lighter, cinematography-wise. I know, but I promise I won't spill anything on it or tear it or, or rip it or do any of those things. Lori, stop worrying. It was Steve Todd. PJ Souls has got a set of peepers on her, man. Like, her eyes. There's something about her eyes. She gives those same looks that she gave in Carrie. She also was in this B-movie. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. I don't even know if they should. It's a B-movie called Uncle Sam. It's a slasher. But she was also in that movie. Why do I feel like they said in one of the interviews or documentaries that they made this song up? I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. 
Yeah, that scene was definitely a lot lighter than uh, the rest of the look of the movie. Because you can kind of tell now, because we're back to the rest of the theatrical version. I think that scene, that, that previous scene, I think that was the last of the additional scenes they shot. Lori looks so impressed with the neighborhood. <laughs> At least she did in that one shot. Little did she know. This dude was getting off on that story. <laughs> he was leading up to something, man. He said it, then he finished dinner, and he went in his garage, and then he kissed his wife and his chip. Like, he just kept getting intense. Of course, Michael picked up a whole fucking headstone. Came home. Don't Fear the Reaper playing on the radio.
Now, as a former bud smoker, this is shit that I can't do, man. Like, I can't, I, like, this type of interaction with, with certain people when I'm high, can't do it. Gonna be late. Huh? I said, aren't you Always breaks my heart that Michael was right behind Loomis and just passed right by him. Could all been over. What's the matter with you? I think he knew. I'm sure he could smell it. No, he didn't. He did. See the look on his face? <laughs> he always looks like that. I feel Lori though, because I was always that that smoker that was like, I don't want to smell like Bud. I don't want wherever I'm smoking that to smell like bud. Can they smell it? Plus, I'm an overthinker, so that mixed in with anxiety and probably goes to show that I shouldn't have been smoking in the first place. I love that that's how shy and bashful Lori was that she told her to shush when it's just them in the car. You gotta wonder what Michael's face smells like. He's been in that mask all day. And then you think of Halloween too. All day and all night. Like, Michael's face stinks. Michael's like a cat, man. Even in a vehicle, this motherfucker's in stealth mode 24-7. It's one of the things I love about this character, man. Like, you're not going to catch him, no diss to Jason, but you're not going to catch him at a rave in, in a, you know, coming out of cornfields, slashing everybody. You're not going to catch him out in New York, just walking amongst the people. He's a cat, man. He's, a, he's in stealth, stealth mode. Like, he's not even fully behind this tree, yet nobody can see him. Well, he's behind the tree now, but... And even still, you'd be able to see him. Like, I'm very fucking attentive, so... I think I would see a guy in a white mask that's not fully hidden behind a tree. 
But then it's like, if they saw him, then what? What would he do? What would they do? Now, this shot um, where the car pulls up to the Myers house and you see the sheriff um, sign stop right in front of the frame. That shot was completely ripped off in prom night. Same type of shot. Just goes to show, man, this is the template for a lot of slashers. Simplicity, man. It's one thing John Carpenter was a mastermind at was simplicity. A skunk. And the crazy thing is, Loomis was telling him everything he needed to know. Brackett was not trying to hear it. He, he straight up said, this isn't a man. I like the reaction uh, Meeker gave him in Halloween 4 when he's like, it isn't a man. He's like, tell me, what the hell are we dealing with? Evil. Whereas though Sheriff Brackett just walked off like, yeah, whatever, man. It's a man. He look like a man. <laughs> Loomis was <laughs> he was on go. He had a fuck he had a newspaper clipping he pulled out. That's what that looked like. There we go. no understanding and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death of good or evil right or wrong I met this six year old child with this blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? <sighs> He's been here once tonight. Donald Pleasance, man. Come back. I'm gonna wait this him. movie... I still think uh, I should notify the radio and tell them... Ev everything went right. Everything that, was in favor of this movie, whether they knew it was going to be a success, whether they planned on making sequels or not. Everything was exactly in place how it should have been with this movie and with that little monologue that Donald Pleasance just gave is 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 one of the sole reasons John Carpenter is a creative genius and he is a legend in horror cinema because not only was that like bone chilling but it was it, it, it moves you you believe you believe what he's saying. Why you keep him under there? Mom doesn't 
me to have them. Laser man. Neutron man. I can understand why. Tarantula man. Lori, what's the boogie man? See what I'm saying? The timing of certain shit in this movie is just perfect. Go, residents. Hey, Annie, what are you doing? And it's one of the reasons why there will never be a sequel that will be better than the, the original in this series. I have big, big news for you. This looks exactly like my sister's dog, King. A dog that'll, you know, take your life and keep taking it until you fully check out right in front of you. Now, don't, not only do uh, females do this to each other, but males do this also. Because that's the type of friend that I was. Like, yo, you won't believe what I told such and such. I told him you wanted to holler. I was a, a fake-ass matchmaker back in the day. I did alright sometimes when I put the word in. Or put the bid in, as we say in Philly. one of my fears that you know i hope my daughter doesn't start pulling shit like this when she gets older because tommy's what in this movie eight him and Lindsay are eight um but my daughter loves this movie but i, I hope she doesn't start you know daddy the boogeyman's outside it'll be like you know broad daylight and she'll be scared to go upstairs and use the bathroom by herself so hopefully she doesn't start seeing michael myers outside across the street Because honestly, if my daughter did tell me she sees my, the boogeyman across the street, it's just like, well, I don't know what to tell you because I'm just as scared as you are right now. What a klutz. <laughs> Michael does have some fucking goofball moments in this series, man. That was one of them. Now I wonder if they slow mowed that shot of him letting the dog down or if the dog was just that well trained. The world may never know. 
I like that symbol on the TV, that uh, that uh, production company logo, Winchester Pictures. Now, of course, they are watching The Thing. Crazy thing is, John Carpenter would go on to direct The Thing, uh, the remake, in 1982. But here they are watching the original Howard Hawks genre in uh, this movie. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. There's no such thing. Richard said he was coming after me tonight. You know everything Richie tells you? No. I'd have been like Tommy, look, Tom Richie's a bitch. And it's when people play tricks on each other. And Lonnie's a bitch. And Lonnie will eventually um have a son named Cameron Elam who will be a bitch also. What do you look like? As one of the characters, I, I hope. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to have him like trying to track down Allison in Halloween Kills. Uh, I'm talking about Cameron Elam, Lonnie's uh, son. He's the asshole kid that was in Halloween 2018 who threw Allison's phone into the. I think it was nacho cheese or pudding or something like that at the dance. But I don't know if they're going to have him try to track down Allison and try to defend her honor and be like, baby, what happened? I'm here now. I'll never cheat on you again. Or if they're going to have him killed. Because honestly, I thought he was going to get killed in Halloween 2018. I would have been alright with that. I would have been cool. But he didn't. And while we got this scene with Annie, it makes me... like I really wonder how has her death affected Sheriff Brackett over the years. It's been 40 years. So I'm really curious to know how they handle Sheriff Brackett and uh like his trauma in the new movie. Hello? Who's there? Oh, is this one of your cheap tricks? Guess not. Guess I love that their laundry room was down the path in their backyard. Richards, man. And it's crazy because she grew to be fairly successful. She's on that Real Housewives of something. I don't know. I don't watch it. But, um, she's straight up MILF status, man. So I can't wait to see how they break. Like, it'd be funny if her and Tommy Doyle ended up marrying each other and they're married in a new movie. 
<laughs> that wasn't scripted. And Lindsay was cool in this movie. She was a little asshole on the com. Not as much as Tommy, but this scene right here shows she's a little asshole. Now, how does she know that was Paul? What if that was somebody else? Now, this voice on the phone is uh, the voice of John Carpenter, actually. I love how Michael just pops up and then he just disappears. Subtlety, man. It all works. She's scared because that fucking announcer on TV was really getting his money's worth. Lock your doors and bolt the windows and take a volume because you're going to need it. Like, damn, dude. You want to scare these kids, not, you know, 302 them. <laughs> it's like that announcer was serious. That. <laughs> That's one thing I want to do, man. Uh, eventually, I want to have an episode where I want to talk about the most over-the-top horror announcers. Like, you guys know the people that talk during the trailers? Yeah, Michael's everywhere. Like, the people that talk during the trailers. <laughs> like, the super dramatic ones, man. That'd be a funny-ass episode to do. Like, you hear him in the background. Like, Tommy's watching the same shit, so the same guy. He's like, how do you like that, kitties? 976 evil. <laughs> it's like, y'all gotta chill. Fancy. This has not been my night. Now, as I look at Lori and his kitchen people, I have a confession to make. And I hope I don't lose any listeners over this. I've never carved a pumpkin in my life, y'all. I never have. I never gave myself the patience to carve a pumpkin. I would love to, but I'm pretty sure, you know, as my daughter gets older, she'll force me to carve a pumpkin one of these Halloween seasons. But I've, other than that, I've never done it. It's kind of on my bucket list of things to do. I can only imagine what the cleanup was like on this set, man, because they had they had bags full of leaves. They had to, you know, they had to apply. They had to dress the set, basically, because I think they were in Pasadena, California. So they had to hide the palm trees and the shots and they had to put leaves out there. 
which I think they did for Halloween 6 also. Was it Halloween 6 or Halloween 4? I'm not sure. That's why I pay us to take notes, people. I gotta get better at this shit, man. I promise y'all I will. This will be my 41st episode, so I gotta, you know, I'll get it together sooner than later. That's a scary feeling, like, wait, the door wasn't... It's like the door was locked, and then it wasn't. And you didn't realize it until it was too late. another confession i've never seen the original thing movie i think it came out in 1952 pretty sure it came out in the 50s but the, the thing from another world i've never seen it always wanted to but i never have i just think it's awesome how john carpenter uh he put this in the movie the kids are watching it and he ended up directing a remake which is definitely on my top five list of john carpenter's best movies Hands down. It's another creepy ass shot. Michael just walking carrying Annie's body <laughs> and Tommy's just shell shot talking to my daughter <laughs> when she's cutting up I hope they reference that in Halloween Kills I really do like maybe Tommy and Lindsay are um, in the same scene and she's like listen I told you I believed you I still do like I believed you then I believe you now something along the lines of that would be good
I cannot wait to see they better because that's the one big complaint I had about Halloween 2018 was I didn't get a flashback sequence. I didn't I didn't see what happened. They played on it so much being a direct sequel that you didn't even they anybody that didn't see the original really didn't have to. Like I said in um my Halloween Kills episode. Um, they played it a lot like the town of dreaded sundown where if you didn't see the first one it's just enough backstory that you really don't have to the new one is its own thing but they better show that flashback scene with Lonnie Elam they better So apparently Bob was a fucking rapist. He's talking about ripping Lindsay's clothes off. Maybe he deserved his fate. They were two of the few actors um, that made for really, really good makeout scenes. Because one of the things about 70s and 80s horror movies, the makeout scenes suck. They really do. Motherfuckers don't know how to kiss. I know it was a different time, but kissing is kissing, man. But PJ Souls and this actor, this guy, I can't remember the guy's name that plays Bob. They did a... They did fairly well. 
And yes, I am a smoochologist, people, so I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Everybody's having a good time tonight. All right, you guys, what's next? Like, if they had a horror awards and, like, they would probably win Best Kiss of the 70s horror. Probably checkers or Chick Fil A. Okay, later. Chick Fil A would be more believable for her and Paul to stop at because they wouldn't be back until tomorrow morning. That's how long those fucking lines are. Fucking beer cans everywhere. It's that drunken smash right there. And they are selling it. Or at least she is. Damn, it's a beer can on a nightstand, too? Yeah, she's really selling it. So time out, they had that quick intermission just for him to jump right back in the yams and bust less than 60 seconds after. And then I guess he just pulled out and laid on his stomach. Nah, man, it doesn't work like that. Unless your shit just go limp that fast. You'd have been seriously injured. I'm, I know it's a movie, y'all. I'm sorry, but I, I like to look at the physics. <laughs> the physics of things, man. But I really can't talk shit, man, because I was just recently, I was telling my girl how as good a writer as I think I am, I suck at writing sex scenes in my stories. I just, for some reason, it, it never plays out the way I want it to. Ever. So who am I to judge? Damn, how many beers did they bring in that bitch? Because when he when he got out the van, 
when he opened up her door, beer cans fell out the shit. So they must have been wasted. They probably got like two thirty-two packs or something like that. It's a good night, man. It's the way to go. Here we go. Come on now. Party time. And Michael is a decent size in this movie. Um, he's like not even as diesel as he would become. Jesus, and he's doing shit like that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the sound that they, you know, the way they got that sound made when he stabs Bob to the um, to the door, I think they stab, yeah, they stabbed a watermelon. And damn it if it didn't work, because it sounds like it hurts. Classic head tilt moment. It's another creepy shot. Michael with the the sheet over his head with the eye holes torn in it. With the glasses on. Reminds me of um I just had Johnny Lee Miller's voice in my head from uh Tim Burton's Dark Shadows where he's telling his he's telling his son, he's like, uh, I told you to stop tearing holes in the sheets, there those are Egyptian cotton. <laughs> Somebody should have told Michael what material those sheets were. Kind of dramatic, but whatever. I'll kill you if this is a joke. Annie. Michael's mask in that scene always looks like he's smirking, like he's trying, like you know how when you smirk and you're trying not to laugh, like trying not to bust out laughing. That's what his mask looked like in that shot. still really hard to believe that that was a William Shatner Star Trek mask that they just altered. They painted it. They they did something with the hair. They cut the eye holes bigger. 
John Carpenter said it, man. He says that I owe my entire career to William Shatner. Which is awesome of him to say. Yeah, sleep tight, kids. I'm just going to leave y'all here unsupervised while I go across the street. I know it's just across the street, but damn it, man. You already got the feeling that something's not right. And I love how Deborah Hill explained it in the commentary for this movie. She said, and this isn't until Lori sees Annie's body in the bedroom and before the chase happens. She says that here's a girl who thought that all day long thought she saw something and now shit's jumping off i love how she how she um broke it down not in those words exactly but now loomis sees that the car has been here this whole time he's like yeah michael's here man Every good horror movie has stakes. I don't mean the food. I mean like uh, high stakes. You know what I'm saying? Like the stakes are raised. Like Loomis is like, oh shit, he's here. I got to find out where he's at. Lori's like, wait, something's going on. I need to find out what it is. We already know what it is. And we don't, you know, we don't want her to go over there. But lo and behold, she's about to. I also want to know how Lori loses these keys. I need to pay close attention to what's about to happen. Because when she reaches for the keys, when she comes back, she doesn't have them. I guess she dropped them during the chase. Yeah, she puts them in her right pocket. Alright, it's time to crank this up a couple notches.
Look, for me personally, if you ain't answering the phone, I ain't knocking on your door. That's just me. I don't like when people pop up on me unannounced. So, I, you know, if you don't answer, like my ass would have been in there with Tommy and, and Lindsay chilling. I probably, while they were sleeping, I probably would have kept watch at the front window all night long just to be on the safe side. But it's like, what if Michael was camping out and he was just waiting for Lori to show up and she never showed up? <laughs> she never showed up and she just went the fuck home the next morning or just went home that night when the Wallace showed up and the Doyles. It's another thing, man. Are we going to see the Wallaces and the Doyles in, uh, in the Halloween Kills? You know, in the uh, the aftermath or the flashback scene? Like, how did they tend to their kids after that? These are questions I need answered, yo. Simple shit. And the fact that Michael didn't kill her right here and just he set everything up so she could see it on display. Like I said, man, scare tactics. That's why Michael Myers is the goat of slashers. He waited all night. All day and all night for this moment. It was always creepy how PJ Souls had her eyes crossed upward like that. It's actually a talent. Now here, people, we have one of the best shots of the entire series also. Just that mask peering out of the darkness like that. That's epic shit right there. It 
might be where she lost her keys. I love that shot too of Michael getting the knife together and um, going towards the. This shot too, Michael coming down the steps. Because Michael's pretty limber in this movie, man. Shout out to Nick Castle, man, because he, he was the OG, man. He moves like no other Michael has moved. He moves with, with a purpose, with some urgency. And my theory was always that uh, when Dick Warlock played Michael Myers in um, Halloween 2, it was definitely a lot creepier than this. This While this is terror... Dick Warlock's version was creepy, and my thing was always that the bullets and the damage Michael uh, sustained in this movie slowed him down. So I always—that's my fan theory—that the the damage slowed him down. So that's why his walk was a lot slower in Halloween too. Shut them blinds. You turn that porch light off. It's like, nope, don't bring it up in here. What are you saying? Three strikes. Uh, George, what was his name? George. Oh, I want to say George Washington, but I feel like that's the wrong name. He said, tell him don't bring that heat over here. That's what I'd have been telling my wife if she'd have been like, baby, somebody's at the door screaming, asking for help. Tell him don't bring that heat over here. It's like. What I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall in a movie theater when this movie came out and people saw the first reactions to this chase scene. Because Michael's on her, he on her ass. While she was knocking, she should have had her back against the door and sizing Mike. You know, she should have been sizing Michael up, ready to kick him in his chest. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to just juke you and I'm going to run up the block. It's one thing with me, man. I'm not like a situation like that. I'm not trying to go out easily. I ain't going to. I'm not dying easily, man. sound that that knitting needle made coming out of his neck was kind of she should have stabbed him right in his face
Now, I get it that Lori wasn't a killer. She hadn't even made her transformation yet into who she would become. But she just keeps dropping this knife, man. You don't do that. It's not over. It's one of the reasons why I kind of I understood what it symbolized at the end of Halloween 2018 when Allison still has that knife in her hand, even though I didn't like the ending. I get what that last shot meant. I just wish it would have been something after it. And Brackett rolled up like he was going to run over Dr. Loomis. Alright. Loomis had no fear, man. He was ready for war. I love how Lori, even though she was only 17, the character, she was such a protector, man. Michael's just standing there like, you're damn right, kid. I do like how Lori tried to pump fake. She opened up the window to the balcony, but she went in the closet instead, which was pretty fucking stupid. But whatever. She fights back, at least. One of the reasons why Lori Strode is one of the best final girls of all time. See what I'm saying? Scare tactics. Michael Myers and stabbed the motherfucker to a wall. Set up all these uh, extravagant, you know, uh, bodies and set pieces. But here he is playing around with this closet door. Stabbing sounds and this ain't no joke. Stabs and cuts and stuff.
dropped the knife again. Well, she should have stabbed him in the face. Look, man, I look at it like this. I mean, I won't know until it ever happens to me. Tommy? Knock on wood. But if when your life is at stake... I feel like the person that's after you don't give a fuck about your life or theirs, so it's it's either you or me. She should have stabbed him in the face. Don't put any shoes on. Just run outside in your pajamas and risk pneumonia. Classic, classic fucking shot. This sit up. Nobody does that sit up like Nick Cannon. Actually, James U. Courtney did a good job in uh, Halloween 2018 with the sit up. He does it at the end of the movie. This is just a classic um, case of sibling rivalry right here. Brother, sister choking the shit out of each other. Oh, whoa. Michael Myers unmasked is a scary thing. Let's go, Loomis. And he shot one more time. One more time. What's the cookie man? As a matter of fact, it was. And there you have it, people. In 1978, a statement was made. You indeed cannot kill the boogeyman. And I think what it was, was Donald Pleasance asked John Carpenter, he's like, how should I play this when I look over the balcony? Should I play it like, oh shit, he's gone? Or should I play it like, I knew it was, ha I knew it would happen. And John Carpenter, I think his direction was give it a little bit of both. But for me, Loomis looked over the balcony like... Something told me that I should have had some... Uh, you know, some hollow points up in this jaw. And I like how they kept showing shots of uh, previous places because that would give the audience the idea that they you didn't know where Michael Myers was was ultimately at and you could hear him breathing so let you know he was still out there of course people 
10 out of 10 easily man 10 out of fucking 10 this movie um while it is my second favorite horror movie of all time after night living dead it is my favorite slasher character and favorite slasher movie of all time so that's why i felt like you know this this opened up doors for john carpenter so i felt like um instead of me doing uh, maybe i'll do a i'll still do the episode of my top five john carpenter movies but i felt like this was more fitting you know while it was still john carpenter's birthday plus i hadn't done a commentary for a halloween movie so I definitely needed to get it out the way. But yeah, 10 out of 10 people. The performances are great. Um, the pacing is awesome. You know, you have to be really patient with a movie like this. And it doesn't run too long. You know, it doesn't run long. And it I, I guess it keeps you enough it keeps you interested enough with the characters that it doesn't become boring. But um Happy birthday to John Carpenter, man. Creative genius. Actually, a, another yet another inspiration for me, writing-wise and filmmaking-wise, man. You are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. And you will forever be appreciated in the horror community and cinema in general. But, people, in closing, I will say... Follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public. Um, follow me Facebook, Instagram, Romero Tudor. Follow the Facebook group, Cinemaniacs. Um, yeah, shout out to the Tudor reviewers, the listeners out there. I definitely appreciate the love. appreciate the support. I'll keep showing it back to y'all and then some. Okay, that kind of threw me off because the menu popped up and it's like Lori sitting next to the pumpkin while Michael Myers is <laughs> he's in the they photoshopped him in the window with the knife in his hand. That kind of caught me off guard. But yeah, I will uh, definitely keep showing the love back to the supporters, man. Y'all are listening. So I'll keep pumping out the shit for y'all to listen to um, another episode or two to reviews in the can people. I will catch y'all on the next episode.